What's up, my fellow peeps? We're back with the Stream of Nonsense in this podcast. I'm your host, Harry Sinclair, coming to you live from the uh, ghetto studio that I've made out of my kitchen. I'll, I'll put some ghetto. <laughs> it's pretty ghetto. I'll put some photos up on the gram at some point. But uh, this is a whole new thing. So if it sounds a bit better, it's because of that. If it sounds worse, it's because of that. Uh, anyway, today coming in with um, another guest. This one we got Phil. How's it going? <laughs> How you going, Phil? Pretty good. Uh, second bear down, so yeah, off, we, off to a good start. We've got to stay hydrated here in the stream of nonsense in this podcast. This one's brought to you by Fat Lamb Strawberry and Lime. That's what I'm drinking on. And uh, but New Zealand Pure. New Zealand Pure. New Zealand's finest and Australia's cheapest. It's yeah. great. <laughs> they should put that on the on the label. New Zealand's finest and Australia's cheapest. <laughs> Pretty much. It's the cheapest in every fridge I look in. Yeah. Like, well, All right. Unless you go for like the quadruple X. Yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not so good though. They're kind of but that price around like Carlton Draft and mm. all those sorts of bears these days as well. So, although what you should be doing is um staying away from everything that Carlton United Brewery did because they, they oh, the whole the whole uh, staff issue thing. Yeah, they screwed over all their um all their people that work for them, right? Yeah, I never really um kind <laughs> of found out what happened in the end there. Like what what was the resolutions? Yeah, there was no details. No, we didn't figure out what happened, but no. we just uh whatever. A lot of people got screwed over. Apparently. Fuck those guys, but fuck BB's a good drop, huh? <laughs> it's so true. You're like, oh, I really want to do the right thing, but oh, Victoria but getting, getting VB is just the right thing to do. <laughs> exactly. What's more right, supporting people or drinking a nice beer? That's, yeah. what, that's what I've always said. It's, well, it's, I think it's you know one of the biggest compromises most of humanity's had to make. Yeah. <laughs> what do I drink while everything's going to shit? Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's what I've been doing my whole life. Um, anyway, what's... Uh, What's why are you here? <laughs> I'm joking. Well, <laughs> Aggressive. No, no. Um, what, what should we talk about today? I want to talk a little bit about. Um, you've been to calligraphy, is that right? Yeah. Uh, for the last, I'd say, th- three years, I've been doing calligraphy. Um, okay. Kind of really slowly progressing. Um, it's a pretty interesting and broad field of uh artwork um yeah it's not one often thought about by when you think of artwork calligraphy isn't the first one that springs into your mind personally for me maybe maybe for everyone else it's wrong but well no because as far as it goes as an art form it's also just a a practical um understanding of uh communication um which is pretty interesting like uh Calligraphy is what has defined our written language as we know it. Um, that's true. That's every true. single word you see was at one point in time handwritten. Yeah, that's pretty and buzzy, G. Yeah, someone's had to design everything that you can read, um, you know. And I think the alphabet that we know as today is uh, yeah. about 700 years old, I think. Maybe older, 1300 maybe, I'm not sure. It was... Um, Get a fact checker on there. Where's the fact checker at? Yeah, we need a we need a Google man. <laughs> we do need a Google man. But um, yeah, like first we had our Roman alphabets, which came out um, about twenty five hundred years ago, I think, from right. my head, okay. and um, they were made into the shapes that we know. They're just your capital letters. Mm-hmm. Um, they were made into the shapes that we know because they're just easy to carve into stone. And, right, um, that's how it defines it because it was easy to carve. Pretty much. That's why you usually that's see them with like that kind of beveled dip going into them and they always have interesting kind of shading effects and stuff. Right, right. Um, and yeah, like uh, I think after that, the um, it was, you know, it had been changed over the few hundred years, like with the fall of the Roman Empire and blah, blah, blah. Who could forget? Yeah, well, classic you know, time. Classic time. No one, no one <laughs> forget. Everyone remembers what happened then. You know, most people hope to forget. Um, so why, uh, what, why did you find yourself interested in calligraphy as, as something? Just um, letters interest you? Just like... Be, being able to write them that way 
is something that interests you? Yeah, well, for me, I've, you know, I've got a graffiti background, um, been doing it for shit, close to 10 years now. Um, <laughs> wee, probably wee more than that, actually. But, um, uh, and yeah, from that, I just had an interest in calligraphy and the old school kind of like gothic designs, how totally. they just look sick, you know, like the old classic Easy Compton yeah 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 all the um old english kind of writing yeah, and stuff yeah. like that it's yeah. just it's just it all is you know made and um i just kind of was like fuck it would be cool to know how to make it so i did like a calligraphy course a few years ago at rmit right and um i didn't really learn as much as i'd hoped um but i learned what like how to learn right and the basic tools that i needed um and so i just kind of went from there and is that because it was like they just gave you like a like an introduction and you wanted like the meat of it yeah i think it was just like it broke the ice essentially right i was okay. like this is how you use a dipping pan this yeah. is the brands that you should use here's a couple books and then i just went from just there. a little tease just a little tease just to yeah, ease, yeah. ease you into it yeah exactly it's like an introduction like literally that so it was yeah. good good to have that and i uh yeah just from there i just figured it all out on my own but mm-hmm takes it's taken three years to figure out what i need <laughs> to know first and well that's I don't know. That's any sort of art form. I think if if you if you mastered it within three years, it's probably not a very good art form. <laughs> well, yeah, no, one, no one, yeah, that's it. Like no one can master it, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, like it just wouldn't be fully developed if you're if you're you know a master of it in yeah, three t- years. Totally. So. Um, it's so funny. It's like the it's exactly the opposite. Anyone who knows me well knows that I've got some of the worst handwriting on planet Earth. Yeah, <laughs> you're like the polar opposite of me. You've like gone the absolute yeah. other way. Do you have nice handwriting in general? Would you say? Well, no. Like I uh, I use shorthand mostly, but it's my own kind of I guess you know rendering of it. But, yeah. Um, because uh, obviously I work in a kitchen full time, so mm. I write a lot of lists yeah. and I take a lot of notes and, you know, I've got handwritten recipe books and that sort of thing. So I've got to be able to write quickly. Yeah, yeah. For you know, sure. someone's telling me, you know, you need this, you need that, you need this. So I've got to like... <laughs> so yeah, I've got, a, I've got a bit of a shorthand, so it kind of makes my writing barely legible. <laughs> um, I'm familiar. Yeah, I only the only reason why I even write it, so I'm not the only person that can read it, just because often I write lists for the kitchen that other people need to. Yeah, you don't need these phone calls like, Phil, what does this all mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is all... Fuck. It's not quite it's my day off. <laughs> just, re- just figure it out, just mm. make it up. Shorthand, like actual shorthand is so crazy. Have you ever seen like the court writers with their like... Ta- it looks like a, a piano and they're like yeah they write with it I've, I've seen those things before i've never really figured out how they work because i know they break the way they write everything down into just like syllable sounds it's like yeah. it's not it's not the it's way not letters it's yeah it's not like an alphabet it's kind of yeah. like the sentence about bird did it did it and they go yeah it's really strange i've actually got this cool little notebook that um I don't actually know where I got it from, um, but <laughs> so it was a, a little notebook from I think like the, uh, like the twenties about. Right. Um, it's called Pittman shorthand, okay. and it was just literally just how they did it by hand back in the day. Oh, okay. And you flick through it, and you know nothing's you know you don't even know what yeah, anything says. Foreign language. There's nothing. Yeah, like there's nothing familiar. Mm. Um, but uh, like you know, it has you know letters next to the sounds that they make and the shapes next to these sounds you just have to remember a, a fuck ton of shapes that's mental and really quickly so that they can just mimic the sounds that are being made as opposed to like how it's spelt in red right because you go to school for it you be you go to school to learn like shorthand and stuff like that and it was such mm. a it was such an important thing you had to literally study at it 
it's kind of being phased out these days, I think. Although I think yeah. in court it's probably still quite important. In court, they yeah, have, I they imagine they'd carry a lot of the same principles because I, I know they had secretary schools back in the day where yeah. you, you learn like filing and typewriting and like basic accounting and shit like that. Yeah, that's shorthand. You know? And now a secretary is kind of just like whatever, you know, just go to there and just chilling and sorting yeah. stuff out. I mean, obviously, still important in some aspects, but. It's, but, it's a funny example of something that changes over the years. Yeah, technology. Well, they which, just have technology now, so, so they can do everything. Yeah, exactly. Stay in one place. Exactly. You know. We've just got Siri doing it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> this is fucking useless. But that's interesting, all that, like, because, you know, that's another form of calligraphy as well is called like Spencerian and that's just... Spencerian. Oh, oh Spencerian. Sorry. Spencerian. Right. Yeah, and that's, um, uh, that's just like a really formal business style of handwriting. So before okay. you had like you know, fonts, Helvetica's right. and shit like that. Your Comic Sans, your Chiller. Yeah, your Comic Sans, you know, <laughs> your <laughs> impact shit for the memes that you want to make. Wingdings. Wingdings, fuck no, yeah, they go down at Yeah, all, classic. Yeah, fucking, before all that, you had to write everything by hand and so to show your acumen or whatever, mm-hmm, Yeah, you had to have the best handwriting. So that's what secretaries would train in and like from what I've been learning, there's like old school envelope kind of traditions where they oh, do really? really really dope calligraphy on the front of an envelope on an envelope yeah oh, that's and so then cool. have like wax seals and shit like that and then yeah you know, they post it in the mail wax seals are tight man yeah like, i think i think that's really cool have you ever thought about making your own or something like that yeah i've got a couple of designs that i've like chalked up but i've just never really like um you can get good wax sealers and yeah. i want to buy one that lasts a lifetime but you know they're upwards of 100 bucks and i just uh, yeah. haven't really been able to justify the cost, <laughs> yeah, the cost as, of as that, cool yeah. as it sounds like you're like how often am i going to use it mm. like wax sealing just notes around the house to exactly. yourself yeah, yeah. Oh, who is this all right beautiful <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you are you're a chef man and have been for a while is that correct sir yeah chef by by trade and almost by nature now um, yeah. <laughs> i've been cooking That's how it goes yeah this year i think is my 15th year cooking um, 15th year yeah That's so, older than me i'm only 14 yeah it's hard to believe well you know it's it easy to see if your baby face and shit, so. <laughs> baby mustache yeah yeah well yeah you certainly you know got rid of the uh what do they call it like uh well, what do they call it the um oh what do you call it when the young boys have just grown their uh pubes their first yeah, yeah i don't know what they call it there's a word for it but, yeah. <laughs> it's called harrison at age 12. Hmm. um so have you done that for 15 years because you want to be doing it for 15 years like is that something that you've like you're like chef 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 15 years i don't know that sounds like a really mean question but like oh it's a long time to be doing it so. yeah it's a long time to be doing anything um, long time to be doing no matter what it is yeah not not really i've never really done it um by choice mm. um but i've had some really really good teachers over the years like really yeah. worked for some pretty good chefs and um they've always encouraged me to do the best and they you know good leaders they utilize their staff according to their staff's kind of needs and stuff and yeah. so i know a lot of chefs have actually exploited or utilized depending on <laughs> depending, my, on, depending yeah. on you know how shit my employer was but you're uh, talking to a lot of them uh have you know exploited you know what i'm good at and yeah. um so i've naturally found out and pushed what i can be good at and yeah. um because of that that working environment has actually been quite positive to my just you know well-being i guess and despite all the health setbacks <laughs> yeah but well, it's, uh, it's an unhealthy kind of atmosphere uh in 
when you break it down to what what it can be sometimes it's like a it's a culture of of like you know 15 hour days 14 hour days on your feet mm. and then it's like six days a week and and it's good i think there's a lot of um good stuff that comes out of it i think chef culture is a lot bigger than most cultures for most jobs you know there's not really a retail culture that exists to the same like kind of brotherhood that mm. chef kind of culture exudes yeah from what i know of, of what i've seen but um it's it's kind of poisonous as well sometimes you know it's like absolutely yeah like and it's like there's there's this kind of underbelly of if you're not if you're not fucking like ripping yourself to shreds every night of the week then what are you doing it doesn't matter what you're getting paid yeah it's like hold on <laughs> you might actually be losing Whoa. your sanity at some yeah. point yeah I, th- I think it's definitely like the cause of that because i think it's i don't know how but it's just derived from a culture of such passion yeah yeah where where absolutely nothing else matters so like if you're not in the kitchen grinding away then yeah like exactly as you said what what the fuck are you doing yeah and it doesn't matter what you get paid because it matters what you do yeah it matters. which is ridiculous because it's a job and mm. as much as they might not believe it it does matter what you pay that yeah. is very important it's it's really interesting though because like it goes back to this whole sense of um where you know you look at like you know before capitalism and shit and like before you know 2003 yeah you know, back, back <laughs> in the day when, you know, everyone was blowing their money on the, <laughs> i'm kidding the what? 90s essentially but yeah right right but uh, you know, fucking, it, it goes back to a day of like when the passion and the craft mattered more because you know your investment in what you do um, really depends more on your survival than the money you get out of it. Right. Um, so like, you know, for instance, like you look at old castles and shit like that, where you know, God knows I do. <laughs> well, not castles, but old courts. Like back in the day, chefs just worked in these basements and mm-hmm. inhumane conditions for weeks on end. And oh, if rough. they stopped doing it, their family would be slaughtered or whatever. You know, like <laughs> it's so hardcore. Yeah, just just we're shit not, like that. We're not so, that bad yet. Yeah, but I think you know, like I think um, because a lot of like uh, cooking um, governing philosophy comes from like the French. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of it just comes out of hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, like weird masterful tradition where the guys are cooking for kings and queens, so they're absolutely skilled at what they do. Right. Um, but they their skill is the only thing that will ensure their survival or usefulness. You know. But that translates into like a into a into a culture now where it's just cooking for assholes but it's still the same oh, yeah, like the those, same feelings those guys still would have been assholes back in the day but fucking um i think they're just working for bigger assholes yeah um that would you know really yeah be a threat to their livelihood just for not being able to be good at their thing like yeah overcooking some eggs or some shit like that and you know they slaughter their shit it's just like <laughs> fuck all right i've worked in places where it seems like that but never actually to that actual yeah. degree but I mean, to me, that explains at the very least where that kind of mentality comes totally. from. Totally, that's interesting. Yeah, because because you, you don't really understand it when you see it. Like it's just food. Like come on, everyone, just relax. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's so it's so widespread. It's it's uh, it's a big it's a big part of it, and you, can, yeah. you can't avoid it once you get deep into it. Yeah, and I, I think the other interesting aspect is as well as um, I don't know what you could call it. It's I guess the tightness of the hospitality industry yeah. is. Um, every tiny little bit counts so for a head chef that's actually under the under a lot of pressure from their owners to measure costs and that sort of thing yeah every every little thing becomes really really important and that's why chefs are so high strung because 
it can be anything like you know your most youngest untrained chef isn't using a timer when he should be so he forgets to do something yeah and overcooks something that could be expensive but he he doesn't bother on things that are cheap but you're trying to teach him the principles of using that timer so that he just has the habit of doing it so that he won't burn something expensive you know yeah it's just like habit building and that sort of shit but yeah yeah well it makes sense for people like head chefs whether they be you know invested or not invested it always it always comes back to matter in the end so yeah yeah so i don't know it's just the whole thing like that's their livelihood they're under a lot of pressure because a lot's at stake like you know if you're not making good food you're not going to get people in the door yeah and um if you're gonna be the door that's your job or that's your chef's job or that's you know some poor front of house staff's job you know what i mean like yeah it's 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 just awful because that's so much pressure for one person to take and um so you have to deliver and not to mention there's you know so much more to consider like if you have functions um so there's more than just a day-to-day grind you know there's, yeah there's yeah. just so much at stake and so much to do it's like it makes you makes you feel for someone who's doing that kind of stuff in a place where the, the food might be totally rubbish and you know it is they know it's shit but they're still getting everything yeah involved like because that's that's what would if i was in that position i'm not really a chef i've worked as a cook at a couple of places like mm. the big big difference but um like and that was fine but if i was chefing somewhere and i didn't believe in what i was making it would just be such a <laughs> total killer of 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 yeah. self-esteem and and you know like willpower yeah like i really it does baffle me how um how many chefs work in shit kitchens yeah just making bad making food, shit food. <laughs> yeah for people that they don't like and yeah and just doing what? a shit job at it too like yeah, it's, it's the it's holy really trinity weird. like it took me a long time to find a job recently and um i've settled pretty well where i'm at now but i saw a lot of strange working conditions for a lot of people just like working in filth like messy unorganized kitchens um probably in constant fear of the health inspector walking in you know and then yeah it's such a real fear you know, just <laughs> that just, cracks me up <laughs> to me the thing about for me most is just making awful food and being so unorganized that it's really stressful to make like subpar food yeah i don't get that and i don't actually get why that is so common it yeah. just means like all that shows me is there's a lot of chefs that have like joined the industry found it really stressful and lost hope so tried to find a cushy job yeah but then couldn't even do that yeah to a, to a high standard yeah but that's the thing you can i think the more high standard you perform to the more cushier a job gets because yeah yeah well you're, then... you're ensuring that it's easy and to me it's like as long as it's like boring and kind of tedious and you're just disciplined and you get everything done that you need to the more fun you can have exploring, you know, more grander concepts of cooking and yeah, the hospitality well, industry. Well, it's just like it's like doing something well it makes it re- makes it rewarding on its own. Like yeah. doing doing something doing something that is satisfactory is is almost yeah. enough in itself. Especially if they're if you're there between anywhere from eight to eighteen hours a day, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, the, totally. why the fuck would you not be good at it and enjoy it? Yeah. Well, it's like at my current job that the the whole kitchen is like probably twice the size of this little booth we're sitting in now mm. and it's like and they're all having so much fun in there because they were making great food and yeah. having fun so it's like it's not hard yeah no it's interesting and like you it really shows through in the whole environment too like right down from the owners they're happy because they're comfortable that good things are happening yeah. they're making money blah 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 they know they don't even have to worry about what's going on in the kitchen because they can step back and trust their chefs. Yeah. And then that reflects in the front of house. You know, the, the front of house people be more prouder of what they're serving. They'll be more interested in what they're serving. And yeah, so it's a trickle down, the man. Like, yeah. It turns from the top. 
so yeah it's just it's just strange how many bad working environments there are send us an email if you've got a bad working environment yeah um, i doubt anyone really out there does but if you do let me know yeah um do you have any crazy stories about you know something happening in a, in a kitchen that's outrageous or unbelievable or exciting or exuberating oh. or any other word i've had i've i've seen plenty of things in my time and seen anyone die not die I've seen damn a, it i've Why seen not? a few pretty horrible in- injuries though oh, really? like yeah um there's one which i never actually like uh Got got a follow up on because I never saw the guy again. But, <laughs> he disappeared um, after this. He event. Disappeared, but um, oh he, my God. he was cleaning the extraction fans above uh-huh. above the range. Yeah, and, classic. Um, he he. Uh, this is the thing about that whole like uh, staying disciplined and being tedious and doing the same shit over and over again. Totally. He ignored a certain procedure about uh, the order and like you know cleaning the deep fryer and then cleaning the range. You can't fuck around with the deep fryers, man. You yeah. can't. You didn't, really can't. Didn't empty the deep fryer I wanted to. It was just half-assing it. And then he slipped and like fell and got his foot in the deep fryer and cracked his head open on the bench behind him. Really? Yeah. Um, so he got leg in the deep fryer, cracked his head open. Yeah, just the foot. And then, uh, yeah, he fell back. And then there's the bench God, that's a and, double oh, tap right yeah, there. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So, um, And what, he just disappeared after that? Well, no, like, well... <laughs> Do you know you saw nothing? Vanished. I heard some screaming and went in there and let's <laughs> <was> go. <laughs> no, he, he, uh... I remember the manager came through and... Because um, it's in a hotel. And um, uh, the hotel manager came in because he's first aid trained and all that yeah. sort of shit. And he didn't actually know what to do. Yeah. And the guy had some, some lace-up shoes. So this is why you wear clogs and shit. In the yeah, kitchen. totally. Because you can just kick them off. Yeah. But um, There's a reason that it's a thing. Yeah, the guy didn't know what to do in this particular case. Um, so, you know, he didn't know whether to take the shoe off or like whether to pour water over it because it was hot oil. Yeah, and blah, of blah, course. Blah. And... Um, so yeah, he kind of like left the shoe on because he was worried about pulling off and taking the skin. But oh, God. there's all this hot oh. oil that soaked into his foot that was still cooking his foot. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it just made the burns and the injuries worse. And um, yeah, so uh, from what I know, anyway, like uh, the guy went to hospital. He was obviously off work for six weeks. Yeah, and I think totally. I heard way down the line, but I'm not even sure if it was the same person, but they had nerd damage in their foot. Nerd damage? Nerve damage, sorry. <laughs> in their foot. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, like yeah. had a limp. And so probably... God, what do you get for not not fucking being serious around deep fryers mm. when i used to, when i used to work at easy's i would um i we had a, a vacuum for the deep fryer so you just like put put it in the top and it would vacuum it into a thing and then you mm. put the clean one in easy easy peasy yeah, and ones. then it would break all the time and so i was so fucking dodgy with it though i would um put it into a big pot and then just tip it over the top like yeah you, but that's such a bad like never tip a pot of oil anywhere that's yeah. the worst unless, thing you can do. unless you know what you're doing even like, if you know what you're doing if there's a better way to do it do that like is it yeah. worth it is it worth saving five minutes if you yeah. don't scar your whole body that never is always you know stick to the rules yeah there exactly and I, there for a fucking reason and i would even know it but then afterwards i'm like actually i think i just only clicked how stupid that was like yeah. why didn't, why didn't what i am just I doing why don't i just follow the rules yeah um kind of funny story about deep fryers someone someone told me this one time um there was someone doing a was, was it a trial or one of his first shifts at a job it was a it was a hotel job that's what you reminded me of um yeah 
filling up a deep fryer and then he was like oh where's the oil and like oh it's out the back and so he went to go get it but somehow he totally misread the situation and like went to this other place and like opened like this cupboard that was like out the way and then closed up this other door and there's a thing of truffle oil and they filled like the deep fryer up with truffle oil oh. like 20 gallons or something like a whole massive amount because they had heaps of stuff it was like a hotel that you know they needed massive amounts of shit. yeah yeah so it was like like thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars of oil yeah. just put into this fryer that would be very expensive i think I can't remember what I was paying my last job, but it's a lot of money for a tiny For just a little, little one. Yeah. yeah, and so this was enough to fill so up a whole, a whole thing. I would love to have seen the face on that dude as he walked back like, no, yeah. the truffle oil. Because the thing is, is it wouldn't take it that long to get fucked. No, like, totally not. You'd have to turn it on and it'd be like five, ten minutes in. And you'd yeah, exactly, because it. it's such a delicate flavor kind of infused in the oil as it is. Yeah, because you'd burn all the, like the truffle shit yeah it burns exactly. so quickly yeah and then it just tastes like shit it'd go black and you'd be fucked and there's nothing you could do that you can't you can't fix it you gotta do is fire that dude and just buy another 800 dollars gallon of oil yeah. or something like that's a fireable offense i think i'm pretty sure what i heard from was the guy i got fired that's that's pretty um that's pretty funny though because like in, in situations like that all the employer can do is just fire the person you know yeah. they're like oh get out and we still have to deal with it <laughs> you can't See, like, sue them for it or anything it's a real interesting thing because like um I don't know I've never really seen it happen so I don't know how it works but I was just like you know a benevolent employer in that sense would um kind of see that kind of uh you know dilemma yeah and rather than condemning the um a staff member for it that yeah. condemned the practices that led that staff member yeah, to do it. Yeah, there's a supervisor who's on. Yeah, there, so yeah. it wouldn't even be the supervisor; it'd be the you know the the employer themselves, and they'd yeah. just go, "All right, how the fuck did this happen? Jesus Christ, that's yeah. a colossal fuck up! Like, yeah, how yeah. did this go down? Like, are we putting the truffle oil uh, right next to the oil that we put in the deep fryer? Like, yeah. is it not labeled clearly? Like, is there a procedure that we're missing here? Why don't we put the truffle oil? Because it costs fucking a billion 10, dollars. 20, 30 <laughs> times more than your fucking average canola oil. Why don't we put it in a different place? Yeah. Something as simple as that could cost someone, you know, save someone their job and a fucking... Yeah. But the way the story up. was relayed to me, the guy seemed, seemed like it was a, the guy was an actual idiot. And, yeah. You know... This is this is momentary lapses. There's nothing you can do. You know, you can't be constantly vigilantly watching someone. He might have gone into a different mm. cupboard. I don't have all the facts. If anyone's got all the facts, hit me up. I know no one knows where this happened or who it happened to, but just yeah. hit me up, guys. Email me at hotboy42. <laughs> get in his DMs, Matt. <laughs> get in my DMs. DM me up. Um, other thing I wanted to talk about today was hip hop. You, you've been into listen to hip hop a long time. Yeah, such as myself. Pretty much, yeah, like a majority of my life. It's yeah. been hip-hop orientated. Hip-hoppity. What, what got you into hip-hop? What, what was something that made you... Saying hip-hop makes you sound like an old dude. Like, yeah. hip-hop. Old hippity-hop. You like the, the hip-hop. Hip <laughs> the kids love it. They love it. Yo, what's up? <laughs> Yo, wiggity, wiggity, wiggity. <laughs> All right, enough of that. But what, why uh, what, why do you like hip-hop music? Um, hip-hop. Hippity-hop. <laughs> hip-hop. the hoop-hop. Stop calling it hip-hop. Let's start calling it... Uh, rap <laughs> we'll call it rap okay, we could break cool. it down into a million sub genres these days but i know we in. could but let's not <laughs> rap's good enough rap, rap will do rap will do so yes tell me tell me about this hippity hoppity hoppity hoopity music that you listen to <laughs> I, i'm not really sure exactly how i started getting into it but um 
and I remember just around the way kids like I grew up in an area that had quite a few Pacific and Maori people and stuff and yeah um they they're very heavily influenced by uh, hip-hop and I loved it as well so I became very heavily influenced by hip-hop and yeah I know it was just something that stuck with me for a long long time I don't know what kind of what kind of age are we talking um probably got into it like I I don't have my first exposure to like Wu-Tang when I was like seven Oh, really? Seven years old, Seven, eight years old. Wu-Tang's for the children, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then I remember uh, Wu-Tang Forever came out, and Triumph yeah. and shit, and just the video. That was the second Bears album, and, right? Uh, just, yeah, the second one, yeah. I think so, Fuck, yeah. I can't remember. There's, there's so many in between. There's, there's, yeah, there's been a... Wu-Tang albums. So. Yeah, it's hard to keep track, for sure. But, um, yeah, I just remember the video and just, like, ODB's intro and shit and um, never been able to keep up with the lyrics was, was funny. And, yeah. Um, you know, my mum and shit not being able to understand that... There's hip-hop know, music. Yeah, there's hip-hop music. <laughs> and I was just like, that's so cool. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty fucking interesting. And, like... Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what the moment was, but that's one of my earliest memories of hip-hop. And yeah. um, since then, I've fucking stuck with it yeah just um i don't listen to it as much these days because i think i've just to me at least i guess i can call me old school but i just feel like the it's just breaking off into so many branches you're old school yeah well, thanks. <laughs> I, just, I just can't keep up anymore though yeah yeah that's totally fair i think mm. it's it's definitely gone the way of of every every single little bit that was each you know what used to be a moment in one artist's career one one song or something you know that's fully fleshed out into a whole genre now mm. so like if you that's a good thing about it though if you, if you like one part of it it still exists it's out there it might yeah. be the most popular part but it's still happening right there's now. something for everyone though that's what yeah, that's exactly. what i love about it and yeah. like you know there's something for every mood so like yeah i might not always be in a trap mood i yeah. might not always be in a grime mood yeah and then I've also got Wu Tang and yeah, yeah, fucking exactly. underground hip hop. You've got go. other moods that you can slide into. Yeah, exactly. So there's something for everything or everyone in yeah. every situation, really. And um, to me as well, what 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 I've been glued to lately. Um, well, by lately, I mean like the last ten years or so, really. <laughs> it's kind of lately, I guess. A long time. Um, yeah. Is where like they get their samples and shit from. Yeah, it's such an interesting uh, interesting thing to to discover because i remember when i started to discover you know I, let's get into the chronic and um not so much 2001 but other old old songs like that and i'd kind of i'd love it and then four or five years down the line i'd be like wait this song is exactly that song like and that hook is exactly from there and this is yeah. from there and and it's always been a big part of it and even these days it's still like you can have songs and yeah. you just rediscover the whole thing's like not a ripoff but the whole thing's like oh it's from this it's song it's from this song yeah to me, I think like early on, at least, it was the biggest part of it. Yeah. Um, just with break looping and shit like that, and you know, just the, the tie-in from like how they just changed from disco and soul to to hip hop just by stealing from it, essentially. Yeah. Not stealing, but just utilizing their favorite part. Well, hip hop, hip hop was born out of out of they didn't have they didn't have beats to start with. They just yeah. had rock songs that they'd cut spit out of and made their own beats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like piggybacked off it, you know, it was yeah. like jury rigged out of out of the leftovers, it's, which is so cool. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's like making a tool from a branch of a tree, you know what I mean? Like it's Yeah, it exists cool. and then they just yeah make a whole new thing about it. I've read I read Questlove's autobiography semi-recently and oh, really? um, yeah it's just really cool it's a book yeah oh, okay, really? I, can, I can let you borrow it so right, right over there behind you fucking sick might have to check that out eh? it's good but um there's a moment he talks about um where he and a lot of other 
people that he know got into producing this is back in like oh, 70s i'm gonna say or like 70s 80s that kind of yeah. golden period um there was like an episode of some tv show where there was a character i don't know if it was like i don't even know what tv show would be like something but they had like a little sampler on it and they were yeah. kind of like replaying things and making like little tunes out of it on the show and it's kind of it was a you know a little five minute period it was kind of funny yeah, but then cool. everyone watching was like oh we can do that yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah. inspired like you know a generation of like young black americans they're like yeah. we can totally do it not to mention the key thing being that um it's accessible to everyone like you don't have to go to you don't have to learn these instruments exactly. you don't have to pay for these instruments that's exactly mm. right you don't have to have, have guitar lessons for three years you can just yeah. get out there and just find what just sounds good fuck just... around on a turntable yeah. and yeah exactly and just like listen to bits and like find your favorite little bit play it over and over again get someone to rap over it another Boom. interesting bit was the um the la riots in 90 whenever that was maybe late 80s the 92 i think the Rodney king ones yeah 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 i think it was dead 92 yeah yeah it's because i know they're referenced in the first uh chronic mm. but um a lot of a lot of people also would steal uh stereo equipment at that time so yeah. that's how a whole, a whole nother you know bulk of generation. generation yeah exactly they all yeah. got their hands on stuff that they wouldn't have and then you know you've got all your producers coming out of that area mm. all maybe influenced by that yeah which leads us nicely into the next segment, which we're tentatively calling CDs, 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 where you're going to go choose your uh, favorite CD, or not even your favorite, just something that inspires a lot of, you know, reflection inside yeah. you, and then we'll uh, we'll discuss. <laughs> to be honest, with your collection, there'll probably be a few. Well, I know that there's a whole lot that are yours. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll probably pick a couple of those, but I'll see what I can find. All right, all right. Yeah, we'll do a little quick fire round or something. Okay, you, you go. You go see what you can find. And we'll, right. we'll meet back here. All right. Sick. Break. All right, we've returned from the wall of CDs. And we have a, a record, a new record. We've got five CDs instead of one. Too, too many CDs for one man. Yeah, there's quite a lot going on in there, though. There's so. a lot of CDs, I'm not going to lie. So, anyway, walk us through. Walk us through your selection. All right, I'll go from top to bottom in no particular order. Uh, I'm going to start with probably one of the greatest all-time classics, which is uh, Wu-Tang's Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. A beautiful album. Um, Debut. Is that a 90... 94. Oh, 93, I think they released Cream. But, um, 94 or, was the album. Yeah, 94 was the album release. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. There's far too much and not enough to say about this fucking <laughs> thing. Hey, like, Poetically said. Yeah, it's um, one of the best albums of all time, in my opinion. I really love it for... I think it definitely is. I think it yeah. holds, I think that's a, that's a worthy statement. I love it for its genre-defined just like brilliance in the sense that they established this new darker tone to hip hop. It's like kind of, you know, the, the that Batman, the Dark Knight Returns comic. Yeah, yeah. What that did to hip hop. Totally. Well, like what that did to the Batman franchise, this did to, to hip hop. Yeah, and it was and it was out of nowhere, you know. It was just kind of like, oh, there's like eight dudes. They're all in this yeah, like group. a fucking posse. Yeah, like, a whole posse. Massive crew and just like all banging out and all equally good in their own right. Oh, totally. I remember hearing that when I was like uh, 14 or 15 or something and you know I started getting into music and then I was like oh this is meant to be quite good and like it still stuck with me from that point and that point I loved it and mm. it really said something because like there'd been so much music out at that point this we're talking like 10 12 years after it came out mm. like this wasn't when it was relevant but 
at the same time, of course, it was relevant all the time. Yeah. The most important question, though, does anyone ever have a sen- uh, uncensored version of Protect Your Neck? Because <clears throat> you know how it's got the, with yeah, the arm kicking. It's, um, it's censored on the album. It's, it's censored everywhere. No, you can find, the they call it the bloody version. There's a bloody version. It's on one of their best ofs. I think it's the Legend of Wu-Tang. Right. Um, it's the one with like the stone kind of Wu-Tang cover from memory and uh-huh. like yellow writing on the front. Okay. It's good. Um, it's really good because they don't have that phone call intro. Okay. Um, so it kind of just gets straight into it. And I think the end is drawn out a little bit longer because you know how it just cuts off. It just yeah, yeah, totally. The, the, it it the drags end. out a little bit longer with the beat. Um, I think it's just like a fade out, you know, whatever. But there you go. Rare, um, rare extended cuts yeah. and B-sides. The bloody version is, yeah, it's actually good. I, you know, obviously it's a lot better because it's cut, but yeah. like it's nice because it's just cleaner. Like it's yeah. a lot cleaner sounding, you know, especially without the intro. And without the cutoff, it's just like the track yeah, and it's whole. Properly. And it's good. Anyway, good album. So what's number two? Uh, next up, to follow up on the same theme, we've got Jizz's The Genius. Jizz The Genius. Liquid Swords. What an album. Massive album. Humongous album. 1995. Um, again, arguably one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. It's definitely up there. I, I love that album to absolute bits. It's, 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 uh, it's iconic. It was, it was the first... There was, there was after the first Wu Tang album, they all did a round of albums that were all really good. They managed to all maintain really good albums, and, yeah. and it was Jizz's first one um, out of out of the actual Wu Tang group, and it was so good. Yeah, really, group. really like uh, I've heard it called like the best winter album, and I totally agree with that. It's That's like it's a really cold kind of. It's got a very dark sound that you'd listen to like in a snowy field you know cold world the track yeah, starts well, with well, the there breeze you, you know, like, <laughs> there you go perfect and anyone anyone who's really into hip-hop will, will know the um the intro my father was the executor mm. of 50 shoguns or whatever that's from. that's um from a movie called the shogun assassin mm. and that is a like a u.s release of two parts of a six-part uh, movie series that's esoteric um, yeah, well, uh, a Japanese movie series uh, came on like the, I think like the late seventies, early eighties, and called Lone Wolf and Cub, and that's based off a comic book. A comic book, which I've read because you have it. Yeah, and you lend it to me. It's fucking. Um, the whole series is incredible. I've read it. It's good. It's about a about a samurai who's walking around. He just kills everyone and he's terrible to his son. He just loves his son more than anything, but he just assassinates hates everyone else. Hates so everyone much. else, and that's such a classic. Um, it's like your classic manga comic, you know. It's like the best, the most badass dude in the world. He hates everyone, but he loves one person. Yeah. And literally, is just unbeatable. Yeah, um, exactly. Anyway, back to the album though. The album, the album is 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 so good. It's got the legendary artwork. It's that classic old. Um, yeah. Do you remember the name of the artist? I don't remember at all. But two guys battling, duking it out on the chessboard. On the chessboard, he's got the sword holding it to his throat. It's that. It's that really yeah. sick '90s kind of. Uh, cartoon style it's it's not necessarily like it's not anime but it's not western it's somewhere in the middle of just kind of old hip-hop styling oh it was uh mathematics so mathematics eh? yeah mathematics was the guy who actually invented the wu-tang logo oh really um, so they got that dude to do the cover for liquid swords yeah by the looks of it and apparently in the line notes it's the case but mathematics yeah. um you may have seen uh this one actually the one that's on the uh yeah. the 36 chambers into the wu-tang yeah um that's one of the original drawings of it, so you can see it's like obviously changed a lot by the time it gets from one album to the next. Right. 
Um, but this was alongside a little book with like a, a, like a fluffy kind of bookmark in it. I think a Chinese sword by memory. Okay. Um, which, you know, goes like this way and then you got the book down here. And... Okay, right, gotcha. But um, yeah, like, so yeah, that's the original design and then obviously it grew from there. Into the... Into the... Also, side note, did, did you see there was a Wu-Tang PS1 game, right? Oh, yeah. There was some sort of brawler. I never played it. I saw it at the video shop, never rented it. It's pretty... But average. then I found out online, yeah, or I assumed <laughs> it would be, they released a Wu-Tang PS1 controller alongside yeah. it, and it was like in the Wu-Tang logo, so it was horribly lopsided. And just yeah, like, yeah. Really been, bad. Really, it would have been horrible. Really impractical. <laughs> Try to play a fighter with a really bad controller. It's yeah, like, it's, not, fuck, it's not how you do it. I would have loved to own it. All right, anyway, we'll move along. Move number, along. Th number three in the pile, what have we got? Uh, Company Flow's uh, Fun Crusher Plus. Oh, such a good... That's one of my favorite albums as well. Like you've, done, you've done very close to my taste so far. Thanks. Um, Company Flow, that amazing album. Why is that, why is that important to you anyway? Well, um, it's really important to me nowadays because of what um, LP's done with himself. Um, yeah, he's killing it. But yeah, this came out in, I think, 95 as well um 97 nice. actually yeah okay. 97 um and it was lp's first proper release mm -hmm. um i got into this because um at the time i found it um def jux was doing really well yeah that's, um, that's the label the record label they've got other people like asap asap rock asap rock um it's a pretty underground label so heads like uh mr liff um yeah. Lots of real, like Cannibal Locks and shit was on there. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. underground, so that's, you know, for the heads. But yeah, like, for the real heads, yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting because uh, LP's sound back in the day is really grating and intrusive and sounds like a fucking horror movie from an industrial era sort of thing. It's yeah, totally. It's definitely, intense. It's a, it's a very accurate description. It is... It's jarring and it's kind of like samples used in weird ways and kind of like blasting into your face. Yeah, and the content as well is very confronting. Like, yeah, it's um, a very dark album. Like the song, what is it? Uh, Bad Touch Example and Last Good Sleep. Yeah, um, Last Good Sleep. Is, it's both a so about domestic violence and all yeah, that sort yeah, of shit. totally. Yeah, it's um, the chorus is something like the man up, the man downstairs has drank too many, many beers. beers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now each night of his life, he beats his wife. It's just <laughs> fucked. It's, yeah. it's really dark. And what makes it darker is both those songs are told from a child's point of view. Of course. And, um, it's really fucking, it's pretty heavy and interesting. Fun crusher is such a good name. What? Um, the, the thing I heard is that, um, they, they've been putting out some singles and, and, you know, various work and, they put out Fun Crusher, which was like an EP or something, and like it got so well received, they're like, "Oh, we'll do Fun Crusher Plus," which mm. is the one album. They did it, and like it was acclaimed everywhere. Everyone loved it, and they're like, "All right, we showed him we can do it. Now we'll <laughs> now we'll disappear or whatever. We've we've done what we need to do." Yeah, the history is pretty weird, but um, I think Company Flow after then, I think they had a few discrepancies with like uh the ideas of where they wanted to go yeah um who was even in it, it was so you had lp lp as the front man pretty much and yep. then big just as yep. uh mc and he's gone on to do some pretty interesting the very underground things he's definitely not in the forefront like lp is right yeah now. and he's his his solo stuff's pretty i don't know strange very experimental like yep. psychedelic and sometimes pretty I don't know, I wouldn't say awful, but hard to listen to in some cases. But <laughs> it's kind of um, seem like they go hand in hand. But the thing is he he does like he's got a really good album called Black Mamba Serums and that's Black really Mamba good. Serums, okay. Yeah. It's really it's released in like two different parts. Like uh, one's a more refined version, like two 
That's um, a weird way to do it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but um, they're, they're good if you're into that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I am, but maybe. Yeah. You'd have to give it a go. But like in saying that, like um, it really does explain a lot of about uh, Big Justice's character in Fun Crusher Plus. Like, right, uh, right how he is what he is and blah 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 but um it's his story yeah like you know he's an ex-graffiti writer so he's got a lot of good graffiti stories and shit like that so for i feel like heads. anyone that was an underground mc in in that 90s period would have been into graffiti right yeah almost goes without saying well, yeah like hip-hop was you know that was when there were four sides to that coin back in the day and yeah you know graffiti was so tied like quite closely with hip-hop but it's well, not so what, much these days i think it was krs one who said that like there was like seven pillars or something and it was mm hip-hop b-boy <laughs> like uh I, I don't know the rest but it was funny you know yeah and now now so, not so much mm. uh anyway back to the album it was if if you, anyone's listening and doesn't know lp is one half of run the jewels who are kind of like taking over the world right now Doing in terms really of well. in terms of in terms of underground which i think they still are technically i'm not sure what their deals are but but basically they're not a big label artist they've, they've They've come out of kind of nowhere. Independent. Killer Mike is the other half of it, and he's been working with Outcast. He's been Dungeon Family kind of associate for the last, you know, few years, yeah. but never really cracked it fully. LP kind of did the same after Fun Crusher Plus. He had a few moderately successful albums, didn't really crack it, and then they both kind of were at a low point, joined forces, and then they kind of took over. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen them live. They're amazing. I've listened to their albums. I love them. It's quite interesting how they've actually just managed to come back with, like, not even come back, but just hit it with such force after being in the game for yeah, 20 years. 20 years. You, and, know? you know, they're all like, I don't even know how old they're, like 30s, you know, tw- late 20s, 30s, maybe mm. even like to late 30s. They'll be like mid to late 30s, both yeah. of them. And, you know, and this, is, and this is people who haven't really had major success for the last four years. LP was saying he was going to give up before he got together with uh, Killer Mike before they linked up and made albums he was kind of like well i've tried i did my best and now whatever but you know it's inspirational it's an inspirational story which is probably part of their success mm. i think that's that's why people like to like to love it because it's uh it's kind of like yeah you guys did it everyone loves an underdog yeah yeah even then they're just like really uh they've got a fucking solid background and yeah you know there's so much if you if you really enjoy that it's really interesting because LP's style and production is still really consistent with what he used to make. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. You can play it at parties now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it just, it just digs a bit more in the whip. Mm. Um, anyway, enough of that album. Next one. What have we got? Next one. Um, it's a bit of a rare one as well. Um, is this your CD? Yeah, this is one of the ones <laughs> I gave you. Um, <laughs> From you to me, back to you. Yeah, well, yeah. I love I love these cities so much. Though. They're so good. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, Edan, Beauty and the Beat. This came out two thousand five, I believe. Two thousand four, maybe. Um, it's a really short album. It's only half an hour long. Have you listened to it before? I haven't. I've got around to it. No. Um, it's pretty interesting. Basically, tell me about it. Um, Edan basically pays homage to the psychedelic, you know, fifties through to the seventies, eighties era. Mm of uh like i guess you could just call it white people music and um shout outs shout out to white people music <laughs> but you know like a lot of uh like british like psychedelic you know like like the beatles and pink floyd and yeah uh, a lot of that but like quite extensive um and even american lo- a lot of american like psych stuff as well like hendrix and stuff and gotcha there's there's quite a lot of a lot of references in this um to, to like a really good air of music like you'll find some pretty a lot of relics in here for you know if you pay attention <laughs> i mean the cover is basically um 
Yeah, it's like a, a little collage of fucking uh, white guys um, with, uh, and they're all actually the heads of um, famous uh, like musicians and stuff from from you know the psychedelic era. And gotcha. superimposed onto those faces, you've got a whole bunch of eighties, nineties eras rappers. So, yeah, yeah, totally. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, when was this from? This was two thousand four, two thousand five. Oh, okay. It's a lot more newer than the other stuff. Mm. Beauty and the Beat. But okay. um, it's really cool because t- basically it's his tribute to both eras of music, and um, he takes all the psychedelic music and does these. It's quite a weird obscure like production it really is reminiscent of like things like king crimson and and yeah pink floyd like those kind of concept albums yeah but it's just like that fused with hip-hop so So why is why is that interesting to you why did you choose that one i think it's a real interesting art piece um as far as like hip-hop goes like there's a lot of good lines in there like um Idan's a fucking good rapper. There's a couple. I've never good, heard um, of him, which is yeah, which is surprised. I never like. He's, he's he's pretty like yeah, not really well known, but he still makes a lot of stuff. And he's got an album that came out before this. It's just a classic like underground hip hop, you know, like early two thousands underground hip hop album. Idan, that's E D A N for anyone yeah. wondering. Check him out. It's really good, but he's got like quite a few, um, a couple like good. You know, he's got like Percy P in here and Mr. Liff, who's really good. Right, right. And a few other people that he works with, but it's a good album. Um, there's some really good good lyrics um the beats some of them are really good like when they get into it but it's really chopped up and broken because it's a psychedelic concept album so concept albums are classic it's it's like 35 minutes long i think but there's just a lot concise though it's nice it's nice to have a concise release it's not often that it go that way yeah it's just good because there's a lot in there and i remember like when i got it i didn't know what it was i just saw that it was rated really well and this was you know before the internet you kind of looked at magazines and shit yeah you hear something and you once you see it again yeah it's got to be good i guess so when i bought it i bought it for 35 bucks yeah uh, you know like full price and this is you know over over 10 years ago 35 bucks sheesh it was a lot of money (laughs) but um it's one of those ones like i bought a few albums like that and they paid off really well um and this was one of the ones that really really fucking paid off like i paid 35 bucks for 35 minutes of music and it was <laughs> fucking worth it like i still listened to this album and it was fucking worth well I, I need to listen to it i haven't i think this is what, that's one of the first times there's been an album chosen that i haven't listened to on the on the best album segment yeah all right um, it's worth it man i uh, recommend i'll it. do it i'll do it i'll definitely do it mm. Alright, so, and what is album five out of this stack? Um, yeah, last but not least, um, JD. Donuts. J Bloody Diller. It's a classic. That, that's one of the ones, along with Wu-Tang, I think, of this list, and Jizza, you'll find on top five hip-hop albums. It's yeah. A, it's a bloody good album. 2006. It's like, it's like 30 tracks long or something. How long is it? It's 31 tracks. 31. Yeah, Damn, I think good. that makes it to be like just over an hour, I think. Yeah, it's it's short as hell. Yeah. Some of them are just like forty seconds. Some of them are it's a little just, longer. It's just like a lightning storm of dope tracks. It's fucking, it's sick. Yeah, the story with with, with donuts was that this was after Jadella was diagnosed with um, what blood disease. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't so, remember what it's called either. So, something he, you know. A lot of people kind of think he died from gang banging or something, but he didn't. He had a, he had a he had a disease, so he, he knew it was coming, and so yeah. he he was posted up, you know, sick as hell, and then with his last kind of burst of energy he made donuts which was like his goodbye letter to the whole world which was which was awesome and it was received like really well like everyone mm. loved it and it's it's one of those weird ones where like um this is sort of like he's just like muttered by proof you know what i mean like 
Yeah. Uh, he is one of the best of all time. Um, yeah, 100%. Not just because he died young, but because he fucking, with his dying breath, released uh, one of the best you know instrumental hip-hop albums of all time. Yeah, exactly. And not to mention change... Jesus. Not to mention throwing it around. Throwing it around. <laughs> <laughs> the relic. <laughs> but uh, I think he changed the format of... Um, um, like production at the time like um, I remember a lot of producers were just basically trying to get on rap albums and then after this happened producers just blew up because yeah, as, as a star of themselves yeah because like, yeah. you could just make beat tapes like um, I think one of the biggest problems is like producers would release instrumental albums but they'd be too long like they're just loops and loops and loops for five minutes it's too much yeah you can't sit and listen to that there's, yeah. there's a reason that's not already a thing yeah so i feel like this him jay diller and madler basically um kind of yeah made this concept that you could just make a beat tape and it's 30 to 40 tracks long and it's just two minute Beats. yeah just tiny little snippets yeah and they're just broken up and chopped up and you can throw whatever you want in between them or you know after them yeah. or like you know you can have a two minute track that's got two beats in it you know yeah and exactly a little, little switch it's, it's fucking excellent and to me it's like a real good showcase of what a producer can do because obviously there's going to be a lot in there it's not all going to be great but it can cater to a lot of different tastes yeah of course and as well as it's just a fucking platform for rappers to be like hanging out with their mates you know do a two minute cypher and pass the mic you yeah. know and like fucking it, it's just such an interesting concept it just made to me it made production of hip-hop so much more interactive and yeah. there's just so much more you can do with it you know what i mean because yeah. it's all perfect length for instrumentals and there's so much variation going on you can listen to a whole thing and could listen to a lot more you know it's one yeah it's one of the best uh, instrumental albums to to just put on as well yeah because mm. a lot there can be good in different ways but you can just put donuts on just kind of vibe out to it yeah I, I got into jay diller quite late i remember i don't know when it was like four or five years ago seeing his name and these like you know best of discussions and i'd always i always knew about him i was like i don't really i don't really know too much about him and then you go back and you realize he's really influenced a lot of the kind of stuff you probably already heard if you know hip-hop you know you know a lot of common stuff and kanye stuff and like old back that way and then can you work your way backwards and you you find out jay dillo's behind all these other beats and then there's so much slum village songs that you probably know but you don't know that you know you just you hear them like all mm. look of love and you know fall in love and stuff like that and and he's he's really like you because what i was looking for was like the one kind of one i'm like this is the beat and then i could i couldn't really find that so i kept looking but then i just realized that just all of his work kind of has the same quality about it and mm. once you kind of tune into it you're like wow it is yeah, really yeah. really really amazing yeah it's not and like that's a... why everyone, everyone respects him so much because he has his like this beautiful quality to what he, everything he creates yeah and and that's that's why it's so good and that's what i like you know it's like the da vinci of beats you know just yeah. like pretty high praise but you know like, <laughs> the da vinci of beats it's it's you know maybe there's not even quite yet a da vinci of beats but it's like that's but the, if there was one it's pretty much this is like the the first like major major master class of like beats of beat production and yeah. i feel like it's it's the thing like i feel like you know that's why i think madlib is just highly highly underrated because oh yeah okay, madlib has always in my opinion at least produced more than jay diller and um well, he's definitely produced more he's, he's nuts he's, he lives he lives in the studio yeah that, and that guy's a shaman of music it's it's just like i don't know i don't know what it is about him but you know he's i don't know why he's so underrated but i guess it's because of he produces so much a lot of it's just 
over and there's also no porn. accessible. He's he's yeah. not someone you can just put, put one song on and people go that okay. I got to listen to the rest now. Yeah, yeah. Because there's he, a lot to listen to. He made, well. his, own, he made his own label, um, just so he could put his own music out on it. Just like oh, Madlib Invasion. Yeah, and, yeah. And like he made like you know like seventeen jazz albums or something mm. shit like that, which is it's nuts it's just like what the fuck man like what the <laughs> fuck are you up to how yeah well he's he's behind uh, mad villainy of course which probably would have been one of your choices right if i had it yeah but... if you had it uh, that would have been there i don't know one place of maybe edan but all right edan you, you got you got the boot next time he's he's at the bottom but i think it's just for his obscurity not for the value of the album really well it, you know the segment's all about what the album means to you and if, yeah. if that's what it means that's what it means but uh nah, mad villain I reckon that's probably my favorite of all time and my other favorite personal favorites of all time mm. would be Quasimodo's The Unseen which is Yeah, just a, I need to get that album. That's really yeah, good. It's Un- just a clean fucking mad lib production. Unseen was the second, yeah. Uh Unseen was the first, the second was The Further Adventures of Oh, The Lord Further Quartz, Adventures. Yeah, yeah. Which was good, but it's a fucking mushroom trip of an album, eh? So Yeah. Well, Mad Lib when he gets into his Quasimodo stuff is just so it's weird bizarre. and strange and yeah. out there. That's why it's so interesting. Mm. Well, yeah, that's why the unseen is so great because it's just like you know, whether it's like uh, Law Quas, the second album is a mushroom trip. Like you know, I think the qu- first one is just like smoking mad weed and getting pissed a lot, <laughs> just getting real pissed. G, mm. I can back that. I can back that as I have the last t- thirteen shows I've done. Yeah. Anyway, um, thanks so much for joining us on the show, Phil. We're going to cut it there. We're we're, cu- we're coming in at a very long one for you guys. I hope you guys have listened to the whole thing. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in, as always, um, and thank you. Oh, it's all good, man. Um, it was a pleasure to be here. And yeah, you had fun. You nice setup. Up. I'm liking the new. Yeah, the new yeah, it's, it's a good, roof. it's a good little little dig. It's cozy. It's just like oh, yeah. it's cozy. We can stay. We can talk shit. Get a candle and a fruit bowl, man. A candle and a fruit bowl. That's what I'll get next time. <laughs> anyway, all right. See you guys later. Have a good time. Bye.